This episode is brought to you by The One Summit, two days that would change your life forever. For tickets, go to theonesummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And today, we're going down the rabbit hole. (laughs) As we normally do. As we do. (laughs) As we do. We were just having a chat um, around the kitchen here at Kimmy's Place. (laughs) And we decided that we were just going to record our conversation. So the three of us kind of don't really know where it's going to go, but we do have a bit of direction, Mm. but we just don't know where we're going to land up. Mm. So join us as being a fly on the wall in Kimmy's bedroom as we sit back with our cups of tea, with our feet in slippers because it's a little chilly. And we're going to talk about last week because last week seems to have been a bit of a roller coaster ride for lots of us. And Cindy, Mm. you've got a theory on it. I thought I was just unplugged. Um, I was overwhelmed. And Kim was overwhelmed. Mm. Yeah, well, collective consciousness, your your theory on it. I mean, it, what was it? Last week was Friday the 13th? Yeah, it was Friday the 13th and it was a full moon. And apparently that, that, that combination won't come again for, what, 40-something years. It's It was quite mm-hmm. a combination. And while... We know the full moon affects us. It, it affects tides. It affects our hormones. menstrual cycles, our hormones. You know, the full moon is all about 28 days, huh, Kim? You know, it, and it happens every 28 days and the way it pulls water. Yeah. Of course it's affecting us. But what I think happened is it, it was the full moon and it was Friday the 13th. Now, Friday the 13th is a number that means nothing to the universe. It only means because that's you know, BC, um, or not BC, but after Christ, you know, it's, it's, if you probably went in another, um, like the Hindus, I don't even think they have, Mm. they have very different dating. So, but what I think was happening is everyone was, it was leading up to Friday the 13th. And there's this, I don't know where this superstition even came from Friday the 13th. Ah, Kim's looking it up. She's on to it. She's looking it up. But there's this superstition around Friday the 13th and black cats and and all of this craziness. And I feel that was, this is what I feel, is that it was the full moon who was, which was doing its usual thing, but it was also the collective consciousness of people thinking, oh my gosh, it's Friday the 13th. You know, and some people stay at home. Some people are jinxed by it and they throw salt over their shoulders and they do all sorts of things, you know. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? Who does that? Mm, okay, so surprised. listeners, listeners, if any of you people throw salt off your shoulders on Friday the 13th, you need to... And, don't want a, and they don't want a black cat to pass by them on Friday the 13th. So there's, and I actually, you know, we know the collective consciousness. We actually know when people um, meditate that they can create change. True. Just as when people are frantic, change can be made, that it might not always be the best change of all. It's interesting because it just says here, according to folk, folklorists, there is no written evidence for a Friday the 13th superstition before the 19th century. The earliest known documented reference in English occurs in Henry Sutherland Edwards' 1869 biography of Giacchino Rossini, who died on Friday the 13th. 
he, Rosini, was surrounded by the last by admiring friends, and if it be true that, like so many Italians, he regarded Fridays as an unlucky day mm. and 13 as an unlucky number, it is remarkable that on Friday the 13th of November he passed away. <gasps> da, da, da. <laughs> so, like so many of those things, it starts with one story, doesn't it? Mm. Often okay, it does start. Records of the superstition are rarely found before the 20th century when it becomes extremely where it became extremely common. The connection between Friday the 13th superstition and the Knights Templar oh. was popularised in Dan Brown's 2003 novel, The Da Vinci Code. Oh, okay, it's probably not relevant. <laughs> I'm like going, oh, where does that come in? Well, and then there's this. In numerology, the number 12 is considered the number of divine organisational arrangement or chronological completeness as reflected in the 12 months of the year, 12 hours of the clock, day, 12 deities of Olympus, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles of Jesus, the 12 successes of Muhammad and Shia Islam, 12 signs of the Zodiac, the 12 years of the Buddhist cycle, whereas the number 13 was considered irregular, transgressing this completeness. There is also a superstition thought by some to derive from the Last Supper or a Norse myth that having 13 people seated at a table results in the death of one of the diners. And you know what? 13 is a prime number, so I'm sure if we had a mathematician here, they'd have something to say about it too. Mm. Not sure what, but Mm. I'm sure it has something to do with prime numbers. Steve, Steve, Steve. (laughs) Steve knows anything about prime numbers. Steve knows everything. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess I'll start um, my story. But Um, but you were also saying, sorry, um, just before you go there, is that. Is it a collective awareness uh, yes. of people all leading up to it being Friday the 13th that had this energetic mm. thing start to happen? Get this. I'm just looking at another side. It says, while many will laugh off the superstitious day, others will remain in bed paralyzed by fear and avoid daily tasks, conducting business or traveling. In the U.S., an estimated 17 to 21 million people suffer from a fear of Friday the 13th, according to a study by the North Carolina Stress Management Center and Phobia Institute. That's a lot of collective consciousness. The phobia, known as... Frigatriske decaphobia. <laughs> Did you just make that up? I just swore. <laughs> is not uncommon. The word comes from Frigga, the name of the North goddess from whom Friday is named, and Trigus deskis phobias, something, <laughs> um, or fear of the number 13. Wow. It is also sometimes called something, 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 from the Greek something, something, from anyway. <laughs> This is just all getting far too complicated. But anyway, it says there will be three incidences of Superstitious Day this year. January 13, April 13, and July 13. Okay, this must have been another year in the Gregorian calendar. Mm. Friday the 13 always occurs at least once a year and can appear up to three times in any one year. Mm. Please keep talking amongst yourselves. I will continue to research. All Mm -hmm. right. So um, there was a lot happening. Uh, there was a lot happening last week, um, and especially in my family and um, and f- and other families that I've spoken to. So in, in my family, all three daughters decided to have some sort of crisis. Mm. As in all three of them. Well, um, I think Fran, my my beautiful stepdaughter, um, had hit rock bottom with where she was going in her life and where she wants to go and. She's really undecided of, of what she wants to go. And I think she hit rock bottom and no matter what you said to her, she took it as um, a, a, criticism. A, yeah, a criticism or even an insult to 
what was happening in her life because she was so sensitive. So that happened. And I remember um, we were driving home from the Gold Coast, my husband and I, and, and Howard, I think he nearly just about killed us because we were really concerned about her. And he, we, he was driving fast to get home before um, she left our house. So we wanted to get back to her. So he drove like a bit of a maniac and I was <gasps> like this the whole way, just freaking out the whole way. Anyway, we got home and she was on the phone to Kim. Kim kept her on the phone and we got home and we had a lovely two-hour talk. We just sat down together as a family and discussed um, everything that was going on. And and I've seen a light. She's mm-hmm. beginning to see that light, but that light didn't come toward, till the, towards the end of the week. So that was number one. The very next day uh, I get a phone call. I'm speaking. Tuesday night I'm speaking. I've got a two-hour speaking engagement to give and it's half past six it starts and I get a phone call at ten past six from my daughter Tania. And she says, Mum, when you go to hospital oh, no. and you get stitches... <gasps> And you get stitches. What what do they what do they do? And I said, well, darling, they'll they'll want to give you tetanus. Number one. Number two, they'll give you a, a, a lignocaine, so a local anaesthetic, so that they can stitch you up wherever your stitching might be. And number three, they'll want to give you antibiotics. So my advice to you, darling, and obviously you're in hospital waiting for a stitch. <laughs> Um, my advice to you is not to have the tetanus um, if you've bled really well. And she said, yes, Mum, I've bled really well. And I said... Hell, where was she cut? Uh, <laughs> wait for it. Oh, not her face. Uh, and so then the next thing was um, the antibiotics. I said, look, you can take the script for the antibiotics if you need it. Great. If you don't, you don't take them. So the lignocaine is all you'll need. And then I said to her, honey, where's the cut? And she went... She started to cry and she said, Mum, you're going to kill me. Oh. And I said, darling, why would I kill you? She said, it's on my face. And then she goes, Mum, I can't talk. The doctor's here. Punk. <gasps> and I, this is 15 minutes before oh. I'm about to speak. I give Kim's just um, given um, Karen a photo because Karen didn't know about this. Oh, <laughs> gosh, Tanya, if you're listening, my sweetest pea. Mm. Oh, you beautiful creature. Yeah, six stitches um, in her face. Oh, uh, yeah. Shite from the surfboard? From the surfboard. She was um, out surfing and having a wonderful surf and a big wave. And she's, you know, she's trying to be a professional surfer. That's what her aim is to be a professional surfer. And, um, yeah, having a, going in for the last wave and um, it was a big wave and it took her under and the surfboard sprouted it up and as she came up for air, it hit her in the head. So she was lucky she wasn't knocked oh, unconscious. Absolutely. She was also lucky she didn't lose her eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we looked at all the good things. You know, we, we went through all the good things. But what happened to me was I had <laughs> to give a talk. I gave the phone to Kim. Kim just happened to come with me. At the last minute, Kim decided to come. I gave Kim the phone and I said, ring Howard, get Howard onto this, and you keep this phone and just, you know, give me signs that she's okay. And she, the fact she was talking, and she was talking really well, and she was very compass and she was, you know, really thinking about things. But then once the shock's worn off, then the reality of what has yes, happened of course. and that there's a big mark down her face and, um, and it's, you know, it's six, six stitches. They're quite, and quite far apart. Howard took out one the other day, but, you know, I think that shock got to her and she became quite upset by it. But then in the, on the other hand, I looked at how well she coped. She mm. just, she was there alone. 
I said, do you want me to come down after my talk? And where was she? Was she? She's on the Gold Coast. Oh so Gold Coast. I wasn't even near her. And and my mind wasn't even thinking cosmetic surgery. Don't let a, a you know don't let an emergency doctor do this. Let a like, get scheduled to a cosmetic surgeon. I wasn't thinking anything like this. I just wanted her to be safe. Yeah, of course. And then all of then it all happened. So that was that was that. Then the next day. Oh, does it get any worse? <laughs> then the next day. My two, um, my two girls, Casey and Tania, get a text from Fran. And Tania saw the text as a goodbye note. Oh. And rang Howard and me at the office and said, where are you? Get home now. But, of course, it, it wasn't that. It was just she had seen that she had not been a great sister and that she had kept out of their lives and she wanted to tell them that she loved them and that she would always be their big sis and that she would always be there with them no matter where she was. Oh, bless. Yeah. Mm. But Tania um, it was really upset yeah. because she was already in shock. Yeah, then yeah, she yeah. gets this and she's in more shock and so she rings Howard and I. So there's... That happens. And then Howard finally gets home. If She's fine. Fran's fine. Howard gets back and we get this distress phone call from Casey. Oh, for goodness sake, I just mm. can't cope. I feel mm. like I can't breathe. <laughs> oh. oh, I tell you. And, oh, the, and the, Cindy. the distress was... She was crying. Now, this is our, we think, our strongest child, like the child that never cracks under pressure, that was out of home within days of finishing school, whereas everyone else likes to stay home, who was independent and doesn't need our help and doesn't need us and doesn't want us in any way. And she's on the phone hysterically sobbing um, beside herself, um, doesn't know what to do, um, and is in the middle of exams. So she's doing neurology. And it's been a whole muck-up with neurology anyway, so I won't go into that. But just to have her doing this and we're five hours flight from her, you know, mm. we're a long way from her. So um, I'm even, like, I'm even getting upset about it now, but we had to calm her down and, and get her her mind right and figure out what she needed to do in order to get out of the state she was in because she's in a state. Mm. What was she worrying about? Well, she had neurology practical and neurology um, theory. And neurology is not easy. You know, this is all about the nervous system and it's not easy. And so uh, she had done the neurology theory and it was a nightmare because what's happened is that they have lots of teachers and because the, the one teacher walked out, so they had to scramble to find people in their expertise. So each of those teachers could give six questions. And so... He, she had a bunch of teachers giving six questions each. Of course they're going to give their hardest questions, aren't they? They're going to want to do their contorted best yes. to, to upset these kids. So she said, Mom, I don't, I just, I don't know if I've passed it and they're not letting us resit because they're going to email the night before, you're not allowed to resit. And, and then the practical comes and she, she said, Mum, I can't even speak. How can I do a practical because I can't even speak? So we figured out what she needed to do to get out of the state she was in. And what did you tell her to do? Well, she couldn't do the practical. There's no way she could have done the practical. She was just in that state. So we actually said to her, well, what are your options, honey? She mm. says, well, I can get a, a certificate to say that I'm not in any state to do it. And I said, well, darling, I think you're going to need to do this unless you can get yourself out of this state now. And she says, and she just, I couldn't get her out of it. Howard couldn't get her out of it, and Howard's pretty good. He can get most people out of a state. And you know what? When she got out of the state she was in, 
when she probably knew that there was an alternative and that was yeah. and, and you guys probably gave her permission yeah. to say go do that then then she it was probably at that point she actually had real choice mm. yeah and she did she had real choice and so mm. she got out of the state very quickly mm. but she also had the text from Fran she also had Tania you know being upset about her face yeah, yeah. with the you know so it all oh, accumulated so yeah but I like I'm, I now speak to them all and they're all doing well but I kind of went and then I lost it I lost it completely the next day because of everything that happened, Mm. I was running behind on all my work and I felt like, and my computer broke, my computer broke, (laughs) brand new computer, a month old, wouldn't start. So I had to take it into the shop. It was gone for for three or four days, which, you know, you can't work when you haven't got your computer and I'm writing and I'm researching. It's all on that computer, you know. All the more reason to go to Dropbox. Well, it's all now in Dropbox. I did that. You're going to be so happy on Sunday. Everything went into Dropbox. Yeah, good. Everything. Yeah. So um, it's still working. My computer's still working to get it through Dropbox. Oh, I still doing the sync. Yeah, it's still doing yeah. the sync. Like there was something like 4,000 files shifted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So that was my week. And I and by Sunday I was out of it because I was able to pick my computer up Saturday. Then I worked all day Sunday to get myself out of my state because that's what you got to do. You know, it, it's all well and good to get into a state. But it's then how do you get out of that state? Mm. And if you stay in that state for months, then you have problems. Would you, you know. And so all the kids are out of their state. (laughs) And now you're in a big one. No, no, I'm out. And that was that week. And then I interviewed the beautiful Wes Carr, who, um, the beautiful musician Wes Mm, Carr. mm. You know, I interviewed him. His son got his two fingers caught last week in um, a... um, Oh, what did he get a court in? Oh, um, the shower door. Oh. They couldn't get the fingers out. Oh, they had no. to ring the paramedics. They oh. had to ring the paramedics to try and get, and they were talking about amputation of his son's fingers. To, Why not break the shower door? I have no idea. I have no idea. But he said you could see bone, you could see oh, everything. Oh, caramba. I know. But oh, you know what? Poor little man. That little man is so well fed and so well looked after. He healed and there was no amputation. The fingers are working. And healing beautifully. Oh. So that happened to Wes. And I went, oh, my gosh, Wes. <laughs> right, Kimmy? Tell well, us what happened to you. Oh, well, <laughs> my back hurts from the stress. <laughs> oh. Well, I think, uh, funny you should say that, my back is really oh, sore yeah. at the moment. And yeah. I'm I'm at a point where I can't even run. Or I'm running, but I don't feel comfortable running. And and I've always looked at pain as a trigger or a, yeah. a, a, a whisper or something to say something's not right, but I've been trying to ignore it, thinking it'll come right, and it just won't. So that's upsetting me. So mm. that was one little thing. But it's not just one thing, is it? It's sometimes it becomes an accumulation that sets mm. you over the edge. So mine aren't overly dramatic, but but I'm teaching Taylor to drive at the moment. It's very stressful. <laughs> Breaking, 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 breaking. Oh, my gosh. That's what it's like. I remember when my mum was teaching me to drive, I couldn't figure out moving my foot from the accelerator to the clutch to the brake or from accelerated brake clutch. I couldn't figure it out, so I just ran a red light. And my mum, I will never forget her saying to me, if I had been maimed. I'll never forget she said, if I had been maimed. Because you went through the red line, I'm not sure I would find it in myself to forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like I could see that it just 
broke her heart. And I said, Mother, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't think quick enough. So she said, yes, darling, keep driving. <laughs> she didn't yell at you? Oh, no. no. All she said in the most quiet voice was, just... if I had been maimed. <laughs> in that instance, I'm not sure that I'd find it in myself to forgive you. <laughs> that was, she couldn't get any kind of, there was nothing else. She just had nothing else. I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like. It's f- it, it, it's funny when we talk about it like this mm. but at the time when you're but then i'm thinking how, like i got in the car teach you to drive in a damn car park 11 o'clock at night i've been when trying that to well, look i did that with jacob then i thought what's even funnier is i said to jacob who's coming up 15 i thought no i don't know if i should share this but my kids have always been Too behind wheels and that when they were little less sat on my knees and and you know when we've been on farms or car parks or things like that yeah. they've always been behind wheels because i've always thought I'd like them to be a little bit more savvy once they get behind a yeah, wheel. Get them early. Yeah. yeah. So I said to Jacob, we've just got this little manual car, and I said to him, look, it's 10 o'clock at night. No one will be around. Why don't we drive down our street? Do you want to have a turn? Just down the back of Oceanic Drive. It goes for about 3Ks. There's speed humps, and it's perfect for learning on because they've got to change their gears. The Thank you for telling me that because <laughs> I live in the same street. I live off the same street that you do. At 10 o'clock at night, if Jacob's on the road, I won't be. Anyway, I said, oh, look, and there's never cops around there at that time, so we're all good. So he gets in the car, and to be honest, he just... No, I told him about you know how to talk with the cat. He, he indicated, he pulled out. I think boys because it's the they, natural uh, aptitude. And he loves go karting and all that sort of thing. So anyway, he's driving along, and with the next few minutes, he goes, "Mum," and I went, "Act normal." And it was a police car. Jeez! Oh, oh, for goodness' <laughs> sake! So gone. Gradually pulling over now. Gradually pulling over. Pulling over now, Jacob. Just pulling it. Yes, yes, yes. And he did it all beautifully. And we waited. And then I thought, oh, this is just ridiculous. But we were about I don't know three hundred <laughs> meters from home. The police car went. I can't believe I'm sharing this. I'll be in so much trouble. <laughs> I'm I know. I know. So much trouble. And, and let's hope that there are no policemen <laughs> or women. Now they're all going to go to Oceanic Drive at 10 o'clock on a blooming night. No. Anyway, and then we pull into our street, which is a dead end street. And I said to him, okay, stopping the car here, and then you can just turn right. It's only about 30 metres to our driveway. And he stalled it five times, oh. which was hilarious because I don't know what happened. Anyway, so there was there's driving going on. And the, and the worst part about it is that, okay, so I'm in the front trying to teach Taylor who in an automatic has done 30 hours already in an automatic, and she's creaming it. She's doing great. But this manual thing is just throwing her. Mm. And then Jacob's in the back going, oh, that was stupid. <laughs> oh, did you not see it? Well, you nearly killed me. Like this. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's not working. That's not helping. <laughs> and then she's going, shut up, Jacob. So we're all just laughing. Like, it's quite stressful. <laughs> anyway, so that was funny but stressful. Oh, but grief. I think what really got to me last week, and I hadn't considered it being that weak, was... I'm just overwhelmed, mm. overwhelmed with work so much that I actually don't know where to start. I I don't know what to do. I, I don't know which way to turn. The minute I, like, I clear all my emails, there's another 600 come in. I've unsubscribed to so many things mm. so that I don't get bombarded, but I'm still getting bombarded. And a lot of it is work-related, business questions, people asking what products you use. And I didn't realise how much interest there is in 28. But I want to answer them. My philosophy is I want to answer you all one by one, and I want to give you my prescription for that. But I've realised it's getting too that. big, and I can't. But I was trying hard last week. To... Oprah doesn't answer all her questions. I've sent many. <laughs> She's never answered me. Correct. <laughs> Same. She never answered my when I sent her a copy of my book either. Exactly. No. So no. I think you know. I think people have to realise. I I think we are so um, available because of email and Facebook, that 
that we are becoming overwhelmed with the amount of questions because you are seen as a thought leader. Mm. And, of course, they're going to ask you a question, but I think people have to realise that we, we can't answer them all no. and we can't save everybody. And I think it's about time people start taking the initiative to educate themselves. So some of my questions I go, well, I don't know the question to that, but I'm going to look it up on Google. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's laziness. Mm. I think it is laziness unless it's a specific question to your product. Mm. I think it becomes, yeah, I, I really, like I remember having something like that happen to me and it was on diabetes and I said, read my diabetes report. Mm. And he came back and he says, it's four ninety five. I'm not paying that. $4.95? $4.95. Yeah, right. I'm not paying that. Wow. And, he, and he made a big performance about it. And I went, well, you want, well, my time's like $1,250 an hour, so it's going to take me that long. So which would you prefer, the invoice $4.95. or $4.95? Exactly. Wow. I think we have to be really careful of this and I um, because we are so available. Everybody's available. Mm. Yeah, everybody is. Everybody's available. I'm not just talking about us three. I'm talking about everybody. And, you know, well, you did right because poor Taylor, she got herself into a state as well so we had this all happen so we went to the rugby jacob and i taylor was exhausted she's on study block and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. plus she's doing her 26 hours a week dance <laughs> but so jacob and i went to the rugby and we're here at the rugby and jacob turns around to me and we watched his game at four o'clock and at five o'clock he goes oh mum can we stay for the next game and i thought you know what? i'm always at taylor's ballet sure let's stay for the next game thought i won't hassle taylor because she's asleep. She'd fallen asleep. And I thought, I'll leave her the little poppet to have a little snooze. And, of course, didn't look at my phone again. But Jacob came up to me and he said, Mum, can we please stay for the first 15? And I thought, well, there's no rush to get home. I didn't want to stay, but you know what? For you, we will. So we stayed till the end of the first 15 game, which finished at 8.15. At which point I pulled out my phone to see how Taylor was. And there was, like, eight missed calls, oh, three no. texts, Mummy, where are you? Mummy, where are you? Mum, please tell me where you are. And the poor little poppet... Oh. Had woken up at six thirty. Thought, mm, I thought they would have been home by now. Um, then kind of waited another half an hour. Had a shower. Still no news. Didn't answer my phone. Oh, so she was worried and was completely. And by the time I rang her at eight fifteen, she was hyperventilating. She couldn't breathe. Oh, I had no idea what had happened. I thought someone was in the house. So all I'm doing is, it's okay, it's okay, just breathe, darling. I can't, under- sweetheart, just take a deep breath. My heart is pounding out of my chest. Jake is in the background going, what's wrong, what's wrong? You know what boys are like, like, yeah. what the bloody hell are you, what the bloody hell are you, and he's just panicking, and I'm going, it's okay. Anyway, I convinced her we were fine. By the time I got home, I burst into tears seeing her, because she was yeah, on the couch yeah. in such a state, and we hugged, and... I hear I was thinking I was doing the right thing, not annoying her in case she was asleep, and but I didn't check my phone, and you know I just not like you at all. No, and, and but I was so involved in the game; it was such yeah. a good game, and I, and Jacob was having a ball, and I just got sidetracked mm. as a mum. Anyway, the mm. poor little puppet. So she's had that, and she's on an exam block, and she's learning to drive, um, and she's nearly killing you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you get Mother of the Year award. <laughs> No. And, of course, Danny came home for three days and left again, so I was a little bit emotional about that, you know, because it was like, oh, my gosh, three days out of seven weeks and then another is gone again for nine weeks. And it was just, I don't know, it all just got to me. And and my beautiful manager, Kaz, is just worried about me and she's saying, you've got to stop working as hard. And I'm thinking, if I don't work, 
no one gets paid, you mm. know, and I've got three people relying on me. And I think yeah. I just took it to the next level mm. where all of a sudden I just, I, I was, I couldn't do a thing. Got myself into a state. Mm. Got myself mm. into a state. I mean, I calmed down mm. after I, I went for a walk. I did a meditation. I got my oils out. I had a long bath. Like I did all the things that I would tell someone else to do. But it took me a good six hours to to wind down from that. It took mm. me a while, actually. So, you know, for all you people that I ever say, you know, all you've got to do is do a two-minute body ritual, get over it. Um, no. <laughs> I don't say that. But, you know, you build a bridge, you do. Yeah, build you a do. bridge yeah, and get yeah, over yeah. it. Yeah, no, you do. <laughs> I, do. Um, I think sometimes the universe, the universe tests you mm. on what is your truth. And, and I think... I look back on it now and I go, that was actually a really good learning for me. You know, Two friends are going through a really bad marriage crisis at the moment. Another girl at dancing is going through a massive health crisis. And I'm just like, wow, it was just mm. one thing after yeah, the it, other. And it was last mm. week. I think it was one thing after the other. And I don't know if anybody else recognised that or mm. saw that, but it seemed to be... Um, yeah, there in our two families. What about you, Karen? Um, I think for me, I didn't realise that it was Friday the 13th coming up and I also didn't realise that there was a full moon. And as I said before we started the podcast, most, most days I don't know what day it is <laughs> and I don't even know what my name is. So... <laughs> I've got, I've got um, a new person working for me, Annika, and oh my God. And she used to we work. haven't seen you I since know. Annika started working for you. And she used to work for Cindy. So I've already got somebody that's pre-trained and oh my God. She's, I, I honestly, I could not be without her now. I just, I couldn't, I could not be without her. She's, she is my light. Um, she's, she's exceptional. Wow. I've given her the title of business manager and she's so funny. She says to me, as your business manager, my advice is this. <laughs> It's quite stroppy with me now, which is just hysterical. Uh, yeah. And she makes short jokes all the time because she's very tall. And she says to me, what, can't you reach that? Would you like me to, would you like me to grab your post for you? Because it's on the top of my little thing above my letterbox. She says, want me to get that for you? It's very, she, uh, she's very cocky. Oh, <laughs> and I said, are you, you I said, are you still in your three-month trial, girlfriend? <laughs> She, she's just the shizzle. Mm. And um, since she's been on board, she's taken over a lot of the stuff that used to keep me very tired mm. to the computer, which now has me instantly, like as soon as she, I started to see, I only have to tell her what to do once and she's got it. So now she's already, she's running the business in a far more efficient way than what I ever could have. And she remembers thing, things that I always forget. So um, now what that's left me to do is work on the growth of the business. So my focus is just 100% on the growth. And, of course, it's my thing. You know, that's, that's, that's my thing. <laughs> so I'm terribly consumed with that. And it's taking me away a lot. So I'm, I'm traveling almost. I don't think I've, I've been away one weekend in the last seven. I've been home, sorry. Mm. One weekend in the last seven. Um, and in the last seven weeks, and I'm just using that as a gauge, but in the last seven weeks I've probably been home maybe two weeks. 
So I've been away five of the last seven and it's all been business oriented. So it's been really, really good. But I've been Yes, a- we haven't seen you. Yes, we forgot what you looked like. Yes, yeah. we did, didn't we? <laughs> yes. And that's what blew me away. I was I'm like going, Annika's just taken her away. <laughs> We've lost her as a friend. <laughs> oh no. Just even being here tonight, I feel I just I just mm. it's like such a, a recharge yeah. and a reminder of um we have become each other's check-ins. Yeah. That's not chicken. That's check-in. <laughs> check for the Australians in. out there, that'll be check-ins. For the Americans, that's check-in. <laughs> it's check-in. Check-in. And for the English, it's... Check-in. Or oh, for the South Africans, it's check-in. 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 It's check-in. What about the English? We haven't got the English here. The English? What would the English be? It's like... Um, check-in. <laughs> Something. Something. Um, yeah, so for me last week was, I, well, really what it was for me last week was absolute and utter burnout. Mm-hmm. It was a result of complete and utter burnout where I couldn't, I couldn't look at my computer. I couldn't go out anywhere. Um, I wanted to go do my grocery shopping. I wanted to go and buy all of my food, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. Everything that I did was like a real chore. Mm-hmm. So I stayed home and did washing. Mm-hmm. And even that was... I was, I was hell-bent on well, – hard-pressed – sorry, not hell-bent. I was hard-pressed to get out of bed. I was hard-pressed to do anything other than other than go down the rabbit hole. So for me, whenever I'm at a burnout with work, I'm at thirst and starvation for spirituality. So whenever I'm overwhelmed with work and too much work, I also find the contrast for me is where I'm, I'm at my absolute most starving, most depleted um, in my spirituality. So what I, what I did last week was I just spent my whole week, and the week before that kind of was a bit of a lead-up to it, but I just spent my whole week just completely immersed in this whole new um, angle of spirituality for me that's just fed my soul. Mm. I know, and we saw it on Facebook. I know. That yeah. question, should we ask? Yeah. Let's look at it. Well, okay. Um, I wrote a blog. Well, I haven't actually – it's not a blog because I haven't posted it anywhere, but I was just – okay, so for people who are interested in what I'm interested in, it's it's non-duality. So um, the concept of non-duality, and I, you know, I, I just don't know if I can even do it justice – because it's one of those things that just you don't have uh, language just is so limited mm. even non duality mm. um what the what the <laughs> i'm hearing you girlfriend yeah, that's it oh, well one minute i go yeah and then i go what huh? what's that <laughs> um, yeah isn't that interesting that you say that while you're looking it up karen while you, you know it's interesting you should say that because tania rang me this morning and she can't surf because of her cut, mm. she can't put it into the water. So she hasn't surfed for nearly a week now. And she said to me, Mum, I think more. And it's driving me mad. Yeah. She says, I'm thinking more about, you know, my university course and and just things that were happening in her life. We, we were discussing it and I won't get into her privacy, but just things that were happening in her life. And she says, I, I like it when I'm surfing because I'm, I'm not thinking about those things. Mm. I'm out there. I'm enjoying the wave. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and that's where my concentration is. But because I can't surf morning, lunch, and, and afternoon, she says I'm thinking more. And I said, well, maybe, darling, that was why you had the accident. Maybe that's why you got that cut, is that 
maybe you need to think about what's happening in your life and if you are happy with your university degree and if you are happy with, you know, the people in your life or, you know, maybe that's what it's all about. Maybe because she said to me, she said, what have I done to the universe to, to have this happen to me? And I said, honey, it's not about what's happened to what the universe, you know, what you've done to the universe. It's a, it's a lesson that you've got to learn or it's something in my way of thinking it may not even come to you for 10 years. Mm. Who knows? You know, we don't know why these things happen to people or us or, and you, you just, you don't put it as a, a negative. You make it a positive, you know, you, you look at the positive side of it. I think, I, I definitely think that what she describes when she's surfing is a presence of mind that most of us don't have. And it's a presence of mind in the context of there's nothing else other than her and the wave. So there's this unity that takes place, obviously, for her so that she actually has to be connected to the wave and the flow of the wave to know whether she can catch it or not. Mm. And then while she's riding it, she's totally connected to the wave and watching where she's going so that she doesn't fall off the wave and hurt herself or whatever. So she's got this complete connection to something that is more than her. And and mm. it's kind of – and, and maybe she thinks that that way or most surfers think that way. I actually don't know because I'm not a surfer. But the whole concept of non-duality is that there's no us and them, there's no me and you, there's no good and bad, there's no light and dark and there's no contrast. There just is. And – the con the concept of it, and I don't think I'm going to give it the justice that it, it deserves because I'm still just at the beginning of it myself. But the concept of non-duality is is that we spend all of our lives, and it's through our conditioning from the time that we're children, young kids, we spend all of our lives in pursuit of um, understanding who we are and through our fulfilment through external experience. So we go out and we get a job or we get a boyfriend or we get a girlfriend or we go into the movies. We go looking outside ourselves for this sense of fulfilment that we're all seeking. And most of us never find it because we spend our whole lives seeking and in search of a better house, a better career, more fulfilment, more money. Better um, relationships. Better relationships, mm. more love, more laughter, more mm. fun, more experience. We look for this fulfilment in our experiences, but of course we never find it. So we're always in search of a bigger, more grand experience that just gets stacked on the last experience that we have. And we justify that by saying that's our growth. And I'm no different. I've had the same belief all along. You know, I've always believed that one experience begets the next, begets the next, and that's how we grow. And finding meaning in those experiences is how we grow. Non-duality strips all of that. And non-duality is about saying that our, the way that where we're looking is in the wrong direction. Because the constant source of fulfilment that we're looking for outside of ourselves, notice we never find it. And then my next statement is, and then we die. The direction that we're looking is outward. And now most people would say, you know, you find your inner joy, you find yourself inside, but it's a very different way of looking. So if I ask myself the question of when I talk to myself, when I'm having a conversation with myself and I'm talking to myself, who's listening? When you're talking to yourself and there's no one else around? Yeah. You're listening, but you're also doing the talking. So then who's listening? <laughs> We're both puzzled. I, like, I'm like going... Okay, so see, yeah. so, so see, that, right. like, see that, blank, yeah, that yeah. blank spot you went to there? Yeah, very blank. Very blank, very empty? Yes. That, that there is the essence of you. That's actually the self. 
because the self is the part of you and, and just just ride the wave with me yep. just ride away because I really you know I, I I'm still working on the language for it but there's the you that's your awareness that you're aware you know that you're aware mm. and the part of you that knows that you're aware is actually a silent part it never has any comment on anything and when you wake up in the morning that part's there and it's with you all day every day has been since the day that you were born and it will be with you until you're not here anymore but what happens with us is we get we wake up in the morning and then we get completely consumed by thought and then we have a party with our different thing, thoughts and we think about this and think about that and entertain this and entertain that and should I and shouldn't I and yes and I know it. You know, we, we, we have this big party with our thoughts. But if you think about that essence of you, regardless of what you think about, the essence of you actually doesn't change. Regardless of the experiences that you have, the essence mm-hmm. of you doesn't change. Regardless of trauma or tragedy, the essence of you never changes. It's stable. So regardless of what's happening outside, the essence of you never changes, stays the same. So when we're constantly looking outside for the fulfillment of what we think is our soul's purpose, we're looking in the wrong direction. The right direction is to look at the essence of us and reside in that place. Because when we do turn our view from outside to the essence, all of a sudden there's no thought. There's no thought. And the more practice you give to this, the more you find that there's no thought. And that place of meditation that you get to where there's no thought, and you get there maybe one in ten meditations, you might get to no thought. This this point of view gets you to no thought instantly. And you stay at no thought instantly. So if I ask you who you are, but you're not allowed to refer to your thoughts. (laughs) You're not allowed to refer to your thought because thought does not hold the answer. Because thought just comes and goes thought is impermanent and thought arrives in whatever way it arrives but most thought is born out of conditioning so you distorted through experiences or beliefs or, or what and your beliefs mm. your beliefs were handed to you you think about who you were prior to the age of three most people don't have a memory of that because the you that's here now and the you that was there then are two different yous The essence is still the same, but the you that's here now is the you that's just flooded with beliefs, flooded with opinions, flooded with perspectives, flooded with perceptions and and, and attitudes and and values. None of it, none of it is real because it was all based on a perspective. That's why we can have a car accident and Fran has a view on it. I'm just using Fran just Mm because her name popped into my mind then. But you have a car accident and Fran will view it one way and I'll view it another, another way. That's why you have counsellors, because the person suffering has a perspective, yet a counsellor has a completely other perspective to be able to reframe it. The truth is neither is right, because both perspectives are born out of thought, which are then either created by somebody's experience and their meanings, or if you look at the psychologist, her views are created out of education, which is still handed down. As well as her own thoughts and experiences. Correct. So if we're to take all of that out of the equation, take all of that out of the equation, and I'm not saying don't think not suggesting that, but what I'm suggesting is that the way that we think is flawed and it causes the war inside and it causes the war outside. It causes the trauma for everybody and it's the ultimate cause of suffering because our thought 
is a cultivated view. It's not real. If, you can, if we can get ourselves to come back to that essence of ourselves, and it's hard sometimes, it takes practice to be able to say, well, okay, and, I mean, and my way in is to say, well, while I'm talking to myself, who's doing the listening? And mm. I just get absolutely <laughs> well, 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 both of us, I looked at Kim and she, and she was blank <laughs> and I was blank and then I giggled. <laughs> and if you say, who are you? Yeah. You're not allowed to refer to your thought. <clears throat> And you're not allowed to refer to past or present or future. You're not allowed to refer to that. You're not allowed to say I'm a wife, a mother, or a you're not allowed to refer to any of that because that's still thought. And it's a label. You know, you're not allowed to say I'm a but, mother because that's a label. And it's interesting you say this because last week part of my overwhelm was kept asking myself, who am I? And until you can answer the question with nothing. Uh, well, I couldn't. I, could, I couldn't. I didn't. Well, I will say this to you. At one point, I felt worthless on all right. parts, right? Like I was nothing. Yeah, but I don't mean that nothing. No, but now that you're saying nothing on that level, mm. that was the time where I went most quiet and kind mm. of almost surrendered to it. Hey, caramba! And that's that's really <laughs> it because it's the nothing. It's you know the nothing. When you say I'm nothing, it's not I'm nothing. I'm worthless. I, it's I'm nothing, which means I'm everything. Mm. Holy snap and duck shit <laughs> I'm mm. nothing which means I'm everything mm. because if I don't attach any thought to what I am and if I don't attach any belief to what I am if I just for a moment don't entertain any belief and if I just for a moment say well here I am in this house and I'm looking at what I think is red but let's just say it's not red let's just say it's not let's just say that is what it is and it looks pleasing to me and I have somebody in front of me here who, if I'm to take away your label, now I can feel very emotional about this. So if I'm to take away your label, and for your label, I'm to take away you're my friends and that you're human beings. If I'm to take away those labels, and I'm to take away every perception that I've ever had of either of you. If I just take those away just for a moment, what I'm looking at, holy, it, what I'm looking at is pure majesty. I'm looking at how does your hair grow? Mm. I'm looking at how does your skin actually hold itself together. Mm. I'm looking at the wonderment. I'm looking at the wonderment of you, and I'm looking at the wonderment of a cat, and I'm looking at the wonderment of of the technology that I'm sitting in front of. If I don't have the labels attached to it and my perceptions attached to it, then I'm left with wonderment. And if I if I if I if I relate to wonderment without any stories of what that is, even wonderment is a label. But if I relate to the experience of wonderment from the place of the essence of me, but rather than the thought of what that is, it's the most spiritual. There's no, I just don't have the words for it, but it's the most spiritual, enlightening experience that I think I've ever had in my entire life because I'm free. For the first time in my life, I'm completely free. So this conversation went longer than we thought. So we decided we were going to split it in half. So next week, tune in and we're going to share the second half of this amazing conversation where we go deep into the rabbit hole. But if you'd like to post your comments on the conversation so far, make sure that you go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. You can also post at allthews.thewellnesscouch.com 
forward slash up for a chat. And remember, always give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And join us here next week on Up For A Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. Hi, this is Lawrence Tan from The Wellness Guys and Insights Champions Mind. The Wellness Summit is fast approaching and we have some limited spots for a selected group of people. If you are ready to take your body, your mind, and your life to the next level, join us as a VIP at The Wellness Summit. Ask the speaker any questions you want at our meet and greet and a VIP dinner. You get to sit in the first front four rows for an intimate experience and you get to take home the DVDs and MP3 recordings of the entire event. And for VIP Platinum holders, you get also a $500 wellness couch voucher to spend on any upcoming wellness couch event. Hurry, these Golden Planet VIPs are strictly limited. And for more information and to book your tickets, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.